to summarize what we've done till now, we're talking about the importance of the statement of intent by tefillin, okay? And how it's different than another mitzvah because the very essence and identity of the mitzvah of tefillin requires this statement of intent. We started with the idea from the book of mitzvahs that it's a reminder that we remember our obligation to Hashem. Similar to, you know, others have other mitzvahs have this theme as well. Basically, we have an uphill battle in putting in check our temptations and our desires and committing ourselves and our body to God. That is an uphill battle. We need these reminders in order to do it. Tefillin is, is the most powerful of these reminders. So the way we're going to do that is by wrapping the tefillin around us, by putting these messages opposite our heart and opposite our mind, but it can't possibly be a reminder if we aren't remembering what we're supposed to be remembering. And that is the oneness of Hashem, the idea that God created the world, the idea that Hashem is still involved in our world, as demonstrated in the exodus of Egypt when he altered the laws of nature, and he showed that he didn't just put the world on cruise control, but he's actively involved in it. So he doesn't change nature every day. But this is an important message for us to remember, that Hashem is actively involved in our life. And we're, we're making a commitment to Hashem through this process. And I, I would tell you, I, you know, I've, since I've been researching this topic, I've been trying to up my game when it came to the statement of intent. Okay, I'll be very honest. I didn't always say the statement of intent at all. And now, like I remember it was a couple days ago when I opened that prayer book and I saw it there and I actually started putting on my fill and my hand fill and I put it up my arm and I was about to mumble a bracha and tighten it. And I'm like, wait a second. No, I'm not missing the boat today. I, I took it off and I slowly read this and it was like a whole different experience. It's like, okay, I'm here, you know, I'm doing this in the morning. It's, it's the morning I woke up and I'm rededicating myself to Hashem. I'm recommitting my entire everything and everything he gave me, including all the parts of me that don't want to do mitzvahs, and I'm, I'm committing all of that to Hashem. It's a very powerful reminder. It really is. But it's got to have that statement of intent. Right? We talked about the idea that, yes, the bottom line is we'll say that you do fulfill the basic minimum of your requirement if you don't do it, but it's an absolute essential part of the mitzvah to have the statement of intent. So if you wear tefillin, and you do not feel transformed by the tefillin that you are wearing, this would be my advice. Read and, and meditate on that statement of intent, which you could find. You can find in a sitter, right? Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Okay. So th that's the basics of it. I want to just read a few more ideas brought down in this book, Gateway to Judaism, that will open an even deeper world of tefillin and the symbolism and, and the messages in tefillin. I don't know that we need to do anything more, but like, why not just get a glimpse at a, a mind-boggling level of depth, okay? So he talks about a few different components of tefillin. One is the shape. The Talmud specifically invalidates round or rounded tefillin. They must be square. See, quotes from Rav Hirsch, okay? Now, I'll admit, I learned this Rav Hirsch when I was preparing. I learned Rav Hirsch. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I've told you guys this before. Reverse is, is hard. It's like very deep and it's written in this difficult English. And I was very excited when I saw another rabbi 
Rabbi uh, Mordechai Becher explaining reversal. Say, okay, we're going to put this on him now. He figured it out. But even this, I'm going to read it to you, and I, you'll tell me if you understand it. I still have a hard time with it, okay? So what does he say? He says, the square shape of tefillin is, reminds us, it's like reminiscent of a home. We are obligated to make the entire world, starting with ourselves, into a home for the presence of God. And he explains a deeper level of significance of the square. He, we note that the square was the predominant shape in the construction of the temple and its accessories. If we consider the shapes created by the vital forces of nature, all the physical forms produced by organic energies, en energies operating without a free will of their own, we will note that most of these formations have a rounded shape. Of all the creative organic forces, it is only the energy of man who thinks and acts freely that constructs linear or angular forms. We therefore maintain that the circle characterizes the structures produced by organic forces not given free will, while angles and squares are hallmarks of man who can use his intelligent and free will in building his creations and structures. We may thus understand why the circular form was not used in the makeup of any sacred structure or object in Judaism. We will then, too, understand why the same rule was applied to the shape of tefillin. It represents, in miniature, the abode we must prepare on earth for the law of God. This type of construction is expected from man because he is a human being given divine freedom, not a creature restricted in its development by the forces of nature. The circle is associated with constraint and lack of freedom. The square is the mark of human freedom, which masters the material world. It's deep. Good. It's like you're building your own version. It's your own temple. Like it's yeah. your own reminders of the 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 power we're given on Earth as man. Right, with free will, free choice. Okay. I, to me, in my mind, I was envisioning that maybe he's talking about like if you look under a microscope at the micro you know makeup of man and whatever i don't know i'm not a scientist my goal here is not to understand this perfectly it's just to give a glimpse of like an even deeper world rev hirsch is known for his approach towards mitzvah where he'll talk about the halacha the detailed requirements and talk about how they also give over the message of the underlying meaning of the mitzvah it's a very powerful idea that god willing will touch on many many times in a mitzvah there is no disconnect. There isn't like this idea that there's a mitzvah. There's all the technical details. I don't know why I have to be like this. And then there's the reason we do it. He explains that it's all intertwined. So he does that again by talking about the material. The material is that it's only made out of leather. The true abode of godliness in this world is only found in human beings, not in structures or objects. Making the tefillin out of any material normally used for the construction of permanent dwellings, such as wood or stone or clay, would give the impression that the, that the divine presence automatically rests within an object or structure as long as, is, as it is built correctly. Tefillin teach us that the presence of man will be manifest only through the involvement of a human being with free will. The material of the tefillin, leather and parchment, comes specifically from living beings, thus symbolizing the involvement of the living being in the creation of holiness. Holiness doesn't needs to be extracted. Holiness isn't automatically there. It requires the the motion of man to create the holiness, to find or uncover the holiness. So that's why it's made out of something that comes 
from from a living a living creation from an animal the leather and then he even talks about why it has to only be a kosher animal that it has to come from every single aspect of the makeup of tefillin has like this deeper message that it's given over okay this is the one i like the best you know why i like this the best because because it it shows how much we don't understand so both the boxes and straps of the tefillin must be uniformly black. Okay, there's another halacha with tefillin. Maimonides explains that this enhances the beauty of the tefillin. There's no question that tefillin with a deep, even black color, color have an elegant and dignified look. In addition to the aesthetic value, however, the Torah's choice of this color has a deeper meaning as well. The sensation of blackness is due to a lack of stimulation of the retina. This occurs because little or no light is reflected from a black surface. The smooth, featureless black surface of the tefillin thus suggests the unique and indivisible oneness of God, which is not reflected in anything else and to which nothing can be compared. Okay, this is the part I like the most. Black also indicates lack of illumination, as if the tefillin are saying to us that although we must strive for closeness to God and we can achieve closeness, we must nevertheless not be under the illusion that we will ever be able to fully comprehend God and his infinite reality. That I like. Black is there to symbolize that we're not going to understand everything. We're going to sit here for hours and hours and hours. And we're going to explore the topic of the mitzvah. We will never come to the final conclusion as if to suggest that we have unlocked and our human brains have the capacity to understand the, the infinite wisdom of God. There's, we don't. We simply don't. That's another reminder that's in the tefillin. Good stuff? Really good stuff. So this just is a little bit of a, of a glimpse into the, the, the deeper world here. Um, I, I think we should get to some, some takeaways here and some halacha here. Do you have any thoughts? Any thoughts or questions here first? Well, I think for me, and as we continue to learn the mitzvahs, and I'm sure this won't be the only one, but we, we're talking about how beautiful and how closer this brings you to God and how important these are, like trying to understand why these aren't, like these aren't for women and only for men. So what is the reason for that? Where's the, especially when we talk about the rewards for doing them and not doing them, right. there's just a little disconnect. And if it's great and if it's wonderful, why wouldn't we all do them? Okay, excellent. Excellent question. Just to bring out your question a little more. In what we've, in our journey, we've only done two minutes so far, but even in our journey th through everything, we've, we've found some really powerful, compelling reasons for the mitzvahs that we've explored. Mm -hmm. Nothing struck me, let's say in the mitzvah of tefillin, that says, oh yeah, this is for men. Had that been the case, I think it would be less of a question on this particular mitzvah. I don't know, maybe other mitzvahs does that question. There, there's a bunch of mitzvahs that the requirement is only for men. And just from looking through the subject, we don't really understand just, I don't know, what we've done till now. We don't really understand why this is, you know, it doesn't jump out. Oh, yeah, that's why this is only for men. So this is an excellent question. The, the category of mitzvahs that women are exempt from is called mitzvah sasei shazman garma 
which means time-bound mitzvahs, a mitzvah that is dependent on a particular time. In the case of tefillin, it's only during the day. You, there's, no oblig, not, there's no obligation. One should not put on tefillin after sunset or before sunrise, more or less, because it's only during the day. And since, it, since that's the case, it falls into this category of time-bound mitzvahs, and automatically women are exempt from all time-bound mitzvahs. This is one example. Another example, which we're going to probably touch on soon, is the mitzvah of tzitzis. Okay, that's another big one, but there's other ones as well. So I'm happy you asked that. I want to jump into this. More than jump into it, I want to do it very thoroughly. And I there's probably different angles of this that we need to understand. I like that we started exploring mitzvahs first. You know why? Because we're seeing that a mitzvah is more than its surface action. If a mitzvah was just about the action that's done, then it makes absolutely no sense why some would be for men and some would be for women. Now that we see there's more to it, so now we're opening a whole new world. Okay, there's a goal in a mitzvah. There's a purpose in a mitzvah. Now we need to understand what mitzvahs do. What is the, what is, where are they trying to take us? This might be something new. We might have not known that mitzvahs are supposed to take us from point A to point B. So now we can explore the topic of men and women and why there are some mitzvahs that are more for men and, and, and not for women. And I, I can add a hundred questions to your question, and I will, because when we go through this topic, we're not going to leave anything behind. That's the way we do things here, okay? We're not going to leave anything behind. There's, there's a lot of questions that go into this, including, just to mention one of them, the fact that there are some mitzvahs that are time-bound that women in this day and age will do and maybe even be encouraged to do, and there's others that women will not do, and if they are, it could be frowned upon and, and be told, no, don't do that. And they're all from the same category of mitzvahs that are, are bound by time. So there's a lot we have to get into, and I want to do that. I want to make that an important focus um, we're finishing now, or soon we're going to be done, the mitzvah of tefillin. And uh, I think maybe after that we should jump into this. The other question is maybe we should do the mitzvah of tzitzis first, which is in the same category as symbolic reminders of Hashem. We've laid the, the foundations for this, and it might be worth you know checking off that mitzvah of, of tzitzis, which, by the way, also is one that is for men and not for women. Or maybe you'll say the other way. What do you say? Maybe we should understand it first before we do it. All right, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It'll go either way. I look forward to exploring that topic. Um, okay, let's finish off here with the mitzvah of tefillin. The bottom line halacha. We want to go, we want to go. What's the action plan of tefillin? Action plan of tefillin is to put on tefillin properly. The first step to that is buying a kosher pair of tefillin. And it's a similar story to the to the topic of mezuzah. It needs to be obtained from a kosher source. It needs to be written according to all of the details of how you write holy things, you know, by a, a, a scholar, a scribe, a sofer who knows how to do this properly. And you need to find a reliable source for that. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I can help with that as well. Tefillin are, are not cheap, are not cheap. If you find a pair of tefillin for as little as a few hundred dollars, don't buy it. Do not buy it. Entry, entry, entry level, I would throw out a number, you know, maybe it's $500 as an entry level pair of tefillin. But one doesn't need to jump to the $5,000 pair of tefillin. 
we do tefillin like we do every other mitzvah. Everybody is on a different level of the mitzvah. And your job right now is to take one step in the mitzvah. So if you've never put on tefillin, go find a pair of tefillin to put on one time. If you put on tefillin, take your next step and have these intents. Say this l'shem yichud, this statement of intent. Or maybe you already say it and there's another level. You could, everybody could grow another level. It's, it's worth doing it one one step at a time. If you don't put on tefillin, you know, maybe you want to put on tefillin once, then once a week, maybe you want to build your way up. What are you putting on tefillin for? The minimum requirement, one should say Shema in his tefillin. If you could say two things, say the Shemona Esther, the Amida prayer in your tefillin. If you could do more, do the entire chakras in your tefillin. So I'm going to go through some of the basic, simple halachos of tefillin. But this is not meant to be comprehensive. That's not our uh, agenda in our learning here to, to go through all the details, but just to give a basic idea of it so that we, we can all have a, a basic understanding. But for sure, we need to learn this more thoroughly to be able to really do things right. So the commandment to wear tefillin is daily. It's every day. And as we mentioned, and we're going to get more into in the future, it is only an obligation on men. And the exception of the days to wear them is Shabbos and festivals and Yom Tov. Uh, regarding the intermediate days of Sukkot and Pesach called Chalamod, there's different opinions of whether one wears tefillin there. Um, we the, the starting point when a man will put on tefillin is when he turns bar mitzvah 13. Some will do it a little bit in advance to help uh, practice and get them ready for it. Just like with mezuzah, tefillin need to be purchased from a very kosher, reliable source. It has to be from an expert, God-fearing sofer, a scribe, to make sure that they were produced completely for the right purpose. It's not only that it has to be made out of the appropriate materials and parchments, but also it has to even be done with the right mindset, the right thoughts of being done for the sake of the mitzvah. So it's really, really important to do proper research to make sure that these tefillin are sourced from a, a 100% kosher place. These are tefillin are, are expensive. It's time consuming for someone to make them and write them. And very often, you know, the starting price wouldn't be, you know, it would be a red flag if it was less than five or six hundred dollars, but very often it's significantly more than that as well. So they, you know, they have to be done properly. Technically, the mitzvah of tefillin is done all day, but our custom is only to do them during morning prayers. Um, if we didn't do them during morning prayers, then we could still fulfill the mitzvah by doing it any other time of day, just not after nightfall. That's actually why it's a time-bound mitzvah, because it cannot be done after nightfall. And also, one is not allowed to sleep during tefillin. I mean, the, the basic common denominator here is that tefillin are extremely holy. It is it is a really holy object, and the act of putting it on and connecting ourselves to Hashem through it is a very, very serious mitzvah, and we need to be extremely careful to to treat that properly. So one example is that it's we have to be mindful of what the mitzvah is and why we're doing it, as we talked about, and it's prohibited to sleep wearing tefillin. Even like a, a short nap, put your head down and nap for a few minutes is not allowed while one is wearing tefillin. Um, 
That's also because we want to keep focused. That's why we say the what we said l'shem michud, the introductory prayer, before we put on tefillin. That's also why we should stand up while we're putting them on. You know, out of respect for what we're doing. Also, there's a halacha that there should be no separation between the tefillin and the body. So you can't have clothing between the tefillin and the body, or even or or a band aid or or anything. Um. In, in rare cases, you know, maybe not so rare, somebody has a cast or a band-aid that cannot be removed, and no one can ask a rabbi what to do about that. But in general, we don't want to have any kind of, of separation between the two. There's also a mitzvah not to, there's a halacha not to have any kind of interruption between putting on the hand tefillin and the head tefillin, even to say amen or to just talk or, or signal um, then there's a very precise positioning. The head tefillin needs to be just above the hairline, or where the hairline used to be, and mi- aligned midpoint between the eyes, but up above the hairline. And there's a blessing that is said, and putting on the hand one also, it's positioned in a very precise way on a person's arms, facing the area of the heart. And again, I'm not going to get into all the details of this, but it's very important that it's positioned properly as well. The, the tefillin box needs to be perfectly square. The straps have to be perfectly black. Uh, one should constantly touch them and, and reposition them, just like make sure that they're on properly, that we're not getting distracted from the point of this, you know, from the point of the tefillin. It is required to have a clean body and pure thoughts while wearing tefillin. So one has to be very careful about that. If somebody needs to go to the bathroom, First of all, they should immediately take off tefillin. It's not respectful to wear tefillin when one needs to go to the bathroom, even if even if you can wait a few minutes. Again, the the, the sanctity, the holiness of tefillin is is really really high. So if you have to go, take them off and go. Don't bring them into the bathroom. They should be kept in a you know wrapped up in a in a special case, and we don't want to put them in a place that's dirty or leave them in the in the sun, you know, which might damage the the leather or the parchments inside, etc., etc. They If they get too worn out, it's a problem. Okay, again, this is not the place we're going to talk about all the halacha, but if there's one thing you can take out of this, it's how special and holy the mitzvah of tefillin is, that we have to be so careful. And this also explains why we don't do more than we're obligated. This explains why we don't want to do more than we need to do, because we're we're kind of scared that we're not going to be able to do it right. So we have the obligation, and we're going to do it, but we're going to just do it in the morning. We're just going to do it for prayers. We're not going to wear it all day, because it's very hard to keep to, to this level of holiness. And that's why we should be very, very mindful of this. And of course, um, you know, do your research. If we want to learn more of the details of the halacha, there's a lot out there. And uh, that's just a, a short version. As with everything, the smart way is slow and steady. Take one strong step forward and see how tefillin can, can transform your connection to Hashem. Thoughts, questions? Uh, again, another uh, meaningful mitzvah that i taking away from. The mezuzah was really powerful for me. And now the tefillin that I put on every day, now I'm going to pause for a minute and and really think what it's all about. And I do think, even though it's not a requirement for women, we're around our men who we love who are putting them on. And being respectful of that time and allowing that time is part yeah. of what we can do. Absolutely. 
we're, I think we'll probably touch upon that also in, in women's role in mitzvahs. There's no doubt, in general statement, someone who enables another person to do a mitzvah, you know, gets reward for that mitzvah. And when it comes to, to mitzvahs as well, you know, some that will be more geared towards men, the woman, the woman in the man's life who's supporting that and giving him the space and ability to do that gets a big, a big chunk of that. Nagging Very point. important. Yeah. Nagging point. 